How many of you glad you have an anchor today? Thought about that Hebrews chapter 6. Got through with our study in Hebrews. I was thinking about the Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. It says, Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, with whither the forerunner is for us entered. And it says, Who is our anchor? It's not a thing, it's a who, isn't it? It's even Jesus. Isn't it good to know that we have an anchor going up? You know, <laughs> you think of the boats, it's anchor going up. We've got an anchor going up. It's already in heaven for us. No matter what we face, we have eternal security in the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ, our forerunner, is already there. He'll take care of us. We're going to continue our study through the book of Mark. We're going to do it in Acts, okay? So turn to Acts chapter 12. <laughs> I'm going to do it a little different today. <clears throat> I, was, I was looking at this where Dad left off, and we we're going to pick up there. I don't know, how many of you remember when we went through the book of Matthew a few years ago? It was only two or three years ago. Anyway, we did. We went through the book of Matthew. Nobody remembers. I could have preached the same message. Uh, but Dad, Dad happened to be out of town the, and during, with the exact same passage. And so I was thinking, um, I had a message that, I mean, it's the same thing, um, the corresponding text in Matthew. And uh, anyway, I decided we were going to do a little different. Um, and it talked about the blaspheming of the Holy Ghost and some of those good, juicy topics. We'll let Dad cover that next week. So we're going to look at, instead, we're going to look at the life of Mark. We're going to look at the life of Mark, do some background um, on the life of Mark. Let's look at Acts chapter number 12. If you want to stand right quick, we'll stand for the reading of God's Word. We'll have a word of prayer, and we'll get right into the message Shouldn't be long today. Look at Acts chapter 12, verse 12. Here we find Peter had just gotten out of jail. He got broke out of jail. Verse number 12, it says, And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Today we're going to preach on the subject of the life of Mark. A lesson in not letting failure be final. A lesson in not letting failure be final. Let's pray and then we'll be seated. Dear Heavenly Father God, we pray that you would just use this message this morning. Lord, I pray that you would give me the thoughts. Lord, I pray that you would help us just to be prepared in our hearts to receive your message. And God, would you help us uh, to not let failures define us. Lord, help us not to give up and quit, but go forward for you. Learn from our mistakes. And God, be used... Uh, greater and more, uh, more for you in the future. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. John Maxwell, he's a Christian author that writes on leadership. Uh, he wrote a, a whole book on this subject, on failing forward, um, uh, turning mistakes into stepping stones for success. Uh, and Maxwell said this. He said the difference between average people and achieving people is their perception of and response to failure. He went on to say, because in life the question is not if you will have problems. Oh, you can agree with that statement. It's not if you will have problems, but how you're going to deal with your problems. Can we all admit here that we all have problems? Amen. Can we all admit here that we all have some failures in our life? Uh, we all sin, right? For all have sinned, the Bible tells us. First John 1 John 1.8, we were studying this in, on Wednesday night. First John 1 John 1.8 says that if, if we say we have no sin, 
We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So any of those perfect people you know that you see on Facebook, it's not all perfect, right? <laughs> we all have failures. We all make mistakes. We all stumble and fall. But the question is, is what are we going to do? Are we going to allow our failures, are we going to allow our falls to define us? And that's one of the, th- the lessons that we're going to learn from the life of Mark, is not to let our failures be final. Uh, it would be a sad story sometimes in our lives if, if, if that was the last thing that was known about us, right? But it doesn't have to be. And so today we're going to look at not letting our failures be final. Maybe you're here today and you've had some stumbles. Maybe you're here today and you've had some, some, uh, a marriage uh, failure, uh, a financial failure. Maybe, you, maybe you've had a relationship failure. Maybe you've had a business failure. Maybe you've had a failure with your testimony. But let me tell you something. It does not have to be final. God wants us to move forward. God wants us to do greater things for Him in our future. So we're going to talk about that, the life of Mark, a lesson in not letting failure be final. We're going to look at three things here. We're going to look at his upbringing, we're going to look at his downfalling, and we're going to look at his uprising. So the first thing we're going to look at is his upbringing. So let's look at the upbringing here of Mark. We don't have a whole lot said about Mark in the Gospel of Mark. Actually, he's not even mentioned. He doesn't mention himself in the Gospel of Mark. But we find some things, and we find out some things about him uh, in the book of Acts. And here in chapter 12, verse 12, we find that he had a good family. Uh, we find that his mother here, Mary, she is uh, a, a, a woman of, of some uh, preeminence here. She is where the church met, uh, that early church met, possibly that she was a widow. They think this might be the place where they met in the upper room. So this is his mom. And, and, and imagine that. This is a, a lady that loved Jesus. This is a lady that had, um, uh, was trying to bring him up right. And so we have, he has a good family here. Uh, we also find that he had a, a good uncle. His uncle was Barnabas. You can find that in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 10. Uh, he had a good family. He had a good upbringing. Barnabas, he was a good godly man. Uh, he was uh, actually the first missionary. You know that Barnabas was the first missionary. We often think of Paul being the first missionary, right? But if you look in Acts chapter 13, who did it say to separate me out? Who was called uh, in, in the book of Acts chapter 13 there? It says, separate me out, Barnabas... And Saul. So actually Barnabas was the lead. He was the first missionary, a great man of God. And, and so he had a good upbringing. He, was, he was, had a good family. Uh, and you know, this is a, this is a uh, at the end of this, we're going to see the uh, outcome of Proverbs 22.6, aren't we? It's because it says in Proverbs 22.6 that you raise up a child the way he should go. And then it says, when he is old, he will not depart from it. Uh, there was a time when Mark, Mark messes up. We're going to look at it when he messes up. But let me tell you something, parents. You ought to do your best to bring up your children in the way that they should go, shouldn't you? I think that's what Mary did. I think that's what Barnabas did. And we ought to raise our children that way. And maybe one day they'll mess up. And let guarantee, let's, let's just say, I guarantee you one day they're going to mess up, right? But that doesn't have to be the end of it, does it? Because you've tried to raise them in the way they should go. When they are old, they will not depart from it. So we see, first of all, that he had a good family. Secondly, we see that he was come from privilege or means. Uh, so his mom here, we find about his mom, that his, fa- his mom owned a house in Jerusalem. They think this is where the upper room was. So this is not just a small place. This was a large house in the city there. She was probably a person of, of quite a bit of means. Uh, we find later that Barnabas, he had land that he was able to sell. So this family was a family that had some wealth, that had some money, that had some means. They, uh, we know that in, in chapter 12, 
uh, verse, I think it's verse 13, that they had a servant. They, the, so they had servants. So he comes from a place of wealth, a place of privilege, a place of means. Uh, we also know that he came from a religious background. Uh, he lived in Jerusalem. That's the center where the temple was. That's, that's the place where the sacrifices were. That's the place where the priests were. He, he came from a religious background. The center of religion for them was there in Jerusalem. Uh, also we find that his uncle, Barnabas was a Levite. So he was a person that was very religious. So can you imagine Mark's upbringing? He has a good mom. Uh, we don't know what exactly happened to his dad. We think that he might, he might have passed earlier. But he has a good mom that's trying to raise him right. He, he, he comes from a... Uh, he, has, he has all the things that he needs, the necessities of life. Uh, he is religious. He's got an uncle that's a Levite. He lives right close to the temple where all the sacrifices are. So he's religious. And then also we find that he has good influences in his life. He's got, he's got a pretty good upbringing. He? He's got good influences in his life. Uh, imagine this. This is where the early church met. The apostles are all around. Mark is around all the apostles all the time. Isn't that neat? He's just around the apostles. Uh, you know, this is in that upper room. We find that that was Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. So he was actually met the mother of Jesus. He had some wonderful influences uh, in his life. James, the half-brother of Jesus, who later became the lead of the church in Jerusalem, he was around James. Philip the Evangelist, you know, that, that was sort of a crazy guy, imagine. You know, Philip the Evangelist, he had some good influences uh, in his life. He, he had his uncle that was there, and possibly even, he, he possibly even knew Jesus, Mark did. Uh, let me show you this. There, there might be one place that we find him in the book of Mark. Look at Mark chapter 14 with me. We are going to skip around into some different places, so please try to turn with me if you can. Look at Mark 14. I don't think I marked this one. Look at verse number 51. They think this might be Mark. Jesus is in the garden, it says, and they all forsook him and fled. And there followed him a certain young man. They think this certain young man was Mark when he was following Jesus. Went all the way into the garden with him. And so we see the influences that we have in the life here of Mark. Some great influences. So he had a great family. He had uh, money. He had privilege. He had religion. He had good influence. He had all these things. But let me tell you something. All of these things mean nothing if you did not trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Hey, you can have all of these wonderful things, all of these, this good family, this privilege, this religion, this good influence, but if you've not trusted in Jesus, you don't have all that you need. John chapter 1, look at John chapter 1. I like these verses. John chapter 1, verse number uh, 12. John 1, 12, it says, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. It doesn't matter how religious you are. You must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the next verse. Which were born not of blood. It doesn't matter what your, who your parents are. You can't get to heaven on who your parents are. Not of blood, nor of the will of flesh. You can't work and be good enough in order to be saved. Nor of the will of man. It doesn't matter what man says about you, what religion says about you. A priest can't make you saved. You must trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You must be born again. That's the only way to be saved. And we know that he did. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13, Peter calls him my son in the faith. Hey, we know that he was born again into the family of God. I don't know when that could have taken place.
place, but we know that he was born again. You know, and one of the things is Mark might not have had the testimony of Paul. He might not have been out there persecuting the church. He might have had a good upbringing, but he had to be saved the same way. Hey, later in Mark chapter 5, he writes about that demoniac, that, that guy, the Gadaranian maniac, you know. And, and he might not have that testimony. He might not have been running around doing wild and wicked things, but that Mark, that young man, needed to be saved the exact same way. Hey, he might not have been that thief on the cross that deserved to die for his crimes, you know, but he deserved death because he was a sinner and the only way to get forgiveness of sin is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say to you today, you might come from any of those kind of backgrounds. I don't know what your background is, but I do know this. We all need to trust Jesus as our personal Savior. Um, I don't think Bailey's here, but Bailey, Bailey, on Wednesday, we've been giving our testimonies, uh, having our young people give their testimony on our Wednesday night uh, youth meeting. And uh, she gave her a wonderful testimony. But she said something that just jumped out to me. She said, you know, my whole family, we were Christians. She's talking about how they're all Christians, you know. We went to church as a child, some of those kinds of things, and we were Christians. But she said when she came to church on that Sunday, she went home and she knew that she was not saved. She was a Christian. She was raised right. She had a good family. She had all those things, but she wasn't saved. And she came back that night and trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior. And so Miss Connie showed her in the Bible how to be saved, and she got saved. Listen, we all must have an encounter with Jesus. That, that should, it doesn't matter about our upbringing or our background. We all need to be saved. So we see his upbringing. We see his upbringing. But now I want to look at his downfalling. Now we saw a glimpse of this in Mark chapter uh, 14 as to what might happen with him. Look at Mark 14 again with me. This is one of the craziest passages in the Bible to me. Just sort of a... Strange, I guess you could say, a strange passage. Look at Mark chapter 14, verse 51. It says, And they all forsook him, in verse 50, and fled, all the disciples. And there followed him a certain young man. We think this was Mark. Having a linen cloth cast about his naked body. And the young man laid hold on him. And he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. He was in the garden, and here come these soldiers. And he, he'd gone to the garden because he said, man, I will go anywhere with you, Jesus. I'll go to death with you. That's what they all said right before the, you know, in, in, the, in the Last Supper. That's what Peter said. He said, I'll go to the cross. I'll die with you, Lord. But then when it really came time, what happened? He got up and ran. <laughs> he took off, didn't he? He ran away. Uh, and so we see this is sort of, uh, a lot of people are that way. They say, I'll go anywhere, Jesus. But when it really gets hard, what do they do? We see here in his downfalling, uh, first of all, I want you to look, at, at, look back at Acts chapter 12 with me. We're going to see a couple things about his downfalling. First of all, I think that Mark was a sincere person in, 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 in trying to follow the Lord. Look at verse number 24. It says, But the word of God grew and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. So, they came and they were uh, they, uh, to Jerusalem. And Barnabas and Saul, they came and they were taking Mark back with them to Antioch. And so the first thing we see here is about his sincerity. We see that Barnabas was looking for some young men. And this is just a side note, but a lot of what I've learned in doing this study was about Barnabas. Man, Barnabas was a great 
man. He, it, Barnabas was always looking for some young men to disciple. He was always looking for somebody to train, someone to help, encourage, someone to uh, get further along in their service for the Lord. And that's really what we need to be doing, don't we? We need to be more of a Barnabas. We need to be people out there that are trying to see others and help them along in the service of the Lord. Do you know that, uh, that Barnabas was the one that brought Paul along? Uh, back in Acts chapter 9, uh, Saul, uh, Saul, Paul, had just gotten saved. And, and he was coming, and he was going to go to the, the, the disciples in Jerusalem. But you know what? They were all scared of him, and probably rightfully so, right? Paul had just been killing people last week for the faith, and now they're wanting to bring him in here. And so we see that he, he, he was trying to help him out there, and he introduced him. He got him involved uh, in, in chapter 11. Uh, they were going to go start a church, and, and he was looking for somebody to help, and so he went and found Paul. That's the kind of people we need to be. We need to be people that are looking, trying to help people along in their Christian faith. Who have you helped further along in the Christian faith? Lately, who have, you, who have you given a hand to? Uh, 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. 2 Timothy 2.2 2 says, uh, look at 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. We need to be Barnabas. It says, And the, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful man who shall be able to teach others also. How is the gospel going to get to the next generation? It's going to be because you told somebody, you trained them. Hey, in, in Titus chapter two, or chapter yeah, Titus, Titus chapter two, verse four. We're not going to look over there, but it talks about the elderly ladies need to take, teach the younger ladies how to act as Christians, how to be a godly mother. That's what our job is, and that's what Barnabas did. Barnabas was taking this young man under his arms and wanting to get him involved. And I think that right here in Acts chapter twelve, I think that Mark just wanted to help. He was wanting to be involved. I think he was sincere in that in the way he started. Now, notice in Acts chapter thirteen. Look at verse number 5. Look at 4. So they called out Barnabas and Saul here to go forth to be missionaries. It says, So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed from Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. And they had also John, this is John Mark, John to their minister. So we see his sincerity, we see his service. He was willing to be just a minister. Just a servant. That's what he was going along, just to help these people, help these men of God in doing their service. And I think that's the way that a lot of us need to start sometimes. You know, I, I think of John Mark, I think he was willing to move a table. He was willing to take out the trash. He was willing to do whatever he could to serve God and to serve his men. Um, and so we see his sincerity, we see his service, but we see his stumble. We're going to call it his stumble. We're not going to call it his falling because this is just a bump in the road. But we see his stumble. Look at verse number 13. It says, now when Paul and his company loosed from Pathos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Now, we see a stumble. He, he left them. He was on this mission trip with them, and he left. Luke does not tell us what happened at Perga. We don't know exactly what happened, but maybe John Mark had gotten tired of, of his position. He didn't like it anymore. He was tired of serving these guys. He was tired of getting their, their stuff for them. He was tired of it, and so he goes back home. Maybe, I thought about this, maybe he resented Paul. Now remember, what did Paul used to do? He was a persecutor of the church, right? Where was that first church located? In Mark's house. So it might have been people he knew. Maybe, maybe he was upset at Paul. 
hey, uh, his uncle was Barnabas, right? He, he, probably, he probably loved Barnabas and looked up to Barnabas. And, and just in the city right before, in, in Pathos, it, it started to be where, where Paul started taking over. No longer was Barnabas the lead dog, now it was Paul. I didn't sign up for this, Paul. I'm not doing this with you, man. I came because I was going to serve Barnabas, not you. Maybe he resented him. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes we have people problems, don't we? Anybody ever have people problems? Sometimes people problems can cause us to quit almost, right? And I think that could have been what happened here. Maybe, maybe it was people problems. Theodore Roosevelt said this. I was reading a book and it had some good quotes, and so I thought I'd throw it in there. He said, the most, single, uh, the most important single ingredient for the formula of success is knowing how to get along with people. Isn't that tough? <laughs> I personally think, and I don't, I'm just saying this, but I personally think that it was an issue that Paul and John Mark had because later we find that, that Paul had wanted nothing to do with this guy again. So I think it could have been something like that. But we find that he, he left them. He, he went back home. Uh, some people have suggested, some writers have suggested, that it is here uh, at, at Perga that, uh, that Paul... Uh, got malaria. He was bit by, by a mosquito, got malaria and was sick. And something, maybe Mark got sick and that was enough for him and he went home. Uh, how many of you know that phys- physical ailments, that, that, that those kinds of things can cause you to get discouraged and even get close to quitting, right? So maybe it was a physical thing that, that got to him. And, and look, we don't need to dismiss that kind of stuff. That can happen and it will happen to us. But what are we going to do? Are we going to quit because of it? That's what happened with John Mark. You know, I think of Job. Job. Job had everything taken from him, and then even his body was touched. And what did he say? He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Can we go to that same place? You know, I think of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul had a thorn in the flesh, and, and he said, in my weakness, I, I will glory in my weakness because you are made strong in my weakness. And can we say that same thing? Maybe that's what happened here with John Mark. Maybe it was a physical problem. Hey, maybe he just got discouraged and depressed. Can we just admit that's real? Amen. I think a lot of times we, we try to ignore that and say that's not real. We ever got overwhelmed with something? You felt like all the pressure of the world was upon you, and man, you just wanted to quit. Maybe that's where John Mark got. He's like, man, this thing's too big for me. I can't handle this. I just want to go home, you know? You know, we, we find some examples in the Bible of that. David got that way at times. You know, David was anointed to be the next king, and I think he thought it was just going to happen like that, right? You know, I was anointed king, and it's going to be great. Saul's going to love me and and train me, and I'm going to be the next king. But that wasn't the way it happened, was it? Saul wanted to kill him. It came to one place where where they came back, and the place where they were staying in Ziklag, remember that? They were staying in a place called Ziklag, and they came back, and it was burnt. Everything was stolen. It was all gone, and the men actually wanted to stone David. I mean, I think he was at the end of his rope and, and just discouraged and overwhelmed. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord, and he didn't quit. He went and got the victory, got it all back, right? I think of Elijah. Elijah just had that wonderful victory there on top of Mount Carmel. Remember that? And the fire came down from heaven and all this stuff. And then what happens? They go and they tell Jezebel about it. And Jezebel said this. He says, I'm going to have that guy, if he's not dead by tomorrow, you know, I'm going to have him dead by tomorrow. What what did Elijah do? He just stood up to the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 other prophets. I don't know, it's like 800 guys. And what does he do when the queen says something? He runs. (laughs) He was scared for his life. 
He goes and he's under a juniper tree and he said, I'd be better off dead. Jonah. Jonah, after he saw that great revival. Jonah was a man that had some emotional issues, I think. But Jonah, he, he, he went out and he sat under a juniper tree and wished to die. Hey, we can get discouraged. We can get depressed, can't we? We can have sorrow of heart. But you know what? Do you know that even Jesus had sorrow of heart? In Mark 14, that passage we were just looking at, it says, Jesus said this when he was praying in the garden. He says, I'm exceeding sorrowful unto death. That's where Jesus got. Can we all admit there are times when we get discouraged? We get depressed? We get overwhelmed, don't we? Hey, we do, don't we? And that could have been what happened here. He got discouraged and overwhelmed. You know, it might have just been that it got a little too tough for him. Remember, what was his upbringing like? This was a man that came from a place that had some money, had a little wealth. He actually had a, 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 a servant in his house, you know. Any of y'all have, no, none of this, right? None of us are in that place, right? No, okay, that's all right. But he, he came from pretty good, you know, he had pretty good, pretty good. And he got out there and he's with Paul and he's with, he's with Barnabas. And I'm thinking he thinks this is going to be awesome. We're going on a big trip. It's like, you know, the tour of Europe here or something. And, you know, this is going to be awesome. And he got out there and he got a little tough. Wasn't quite as easy as he thought. You know, you read all that stuff that Paul went through in, you know, in Corinthians where he talks about all the things, the perils of this, the perils of that and all that. It wasn't the glamorous cruise that he thought he was going on, you know what I'm saying? Got a little tough. And so he said, I think I'll just go back home. You know, it makes me think of Demas. Remember Demas? Demas was a servant, that, a, a, a fellow laborer with Paul. Uh, but in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, it says that Demas, having loved, has forsaken me, forsaken me, having loved this present world. Maybe it just got too tough, got too hard, and he went home. Now, we don't know. Whatever the reason that he left, he didn't go, he didn't go back to Antioch where he came. He went, back to, he went back home, back to his mom. And in Paul's mind, in, in Acts chapter 15, you can go over Acts 15, Paul didn't think it was worthy. He said Paul thought it not good to take him with him. He wasn't going to go anywhere with this guy again. Actually, because of Mark, the greatest missions team ever probably, Paul and Barnabas, was broken up. Would you want to be that? What would you think if that was the end of the story for Mark, right? That was it. We're done. Mark, he quit. He went home. We don't hear anything from him again. He actually calls Paul and Barnabas to break up. You know how it is when the, the person that makes the band break up, he's always blamed for it, right? Forevermore. Uh, and so he, he broke up, the, 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 and that was the end of it. That was the end of the story of Mark. It's a pretty sad story. But is that the end of the story? So we see here, we see his downfalling, but we're going to see his uprising. We're going to see his uprising. That doesn't have to be the end of it. Uh, one person said this, he said, one reason God creates time was so that there would be a place to bury the failures of the past. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Hey, we don't have to live in the failures of the past. We can fall forward, can't we? We can do something again for God. Take your Bible and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24, look at verse number 16. The Bible says in Proverbs 24, 16, For a just man falleth seven times. How many feel like you've fallen a few more than even that? Amen? You know, you're on your 70th time maybe. I don't know. But the Bible says a just man falleth seven times. But notice what it says. And riseth 
up again. Hey, let me tell you something. We are all going to fail. We are all going to fall. We are all going to stumble along the way. But we need to rise up again, don't we? We need to keep doing something for the Lord. Look at Psalm 37. Look at Psalm number 37. Look at verse number 23. It says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Look at verse 24. Though he fall, though he fall, and it's not saying though if he fall, it's saying though he fall, right? Did you notice that? It says though he fall, he will fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Isn't it good to know that we all have failures, we all have, but, but God is not through with us. Philippians 1.6, he that with the begun a good work in you will complete it, will finish it till the day of Jesus Christ. Now we'll notice here in a second, Paul was through with the guy, you know, Paul was done with him. But God wasn't. God still had a plan for Mark. And though he had quit, though he had failed, he was, God had a plan. And Philippians 2.13 says, it's God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We need to allow God to complete the work He is doing in our lives. Don't quit. Don't let that bump in the road. Don't let that stumble be final in your life. Don't let failure be final. See a couple things about His uprising. First of all, we find that He was restored. If you turn back with me to um, Acts chapter 15. We'll be looking at Acts chapter 15. In verse number 37 it says, And Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. So we see that he didn't quit. Hey, he was still there. He was still in Jerusalem. He's still part of the church. He didn't just pack it in and, and go away and do his own thing. He was still there, ready, available to be used. He was restored. Now, we don't know exactly what took place when Mark went back to Jerusalem. Some people think that Peter took him under his wing. We find Peter in the same chapter. Some people think that Peter took him under his wing and restored him. Uh, we do know this. We do know that Barnabas wanted him restored. In verse 37 it says that Barnabas determined to take John Mark with him. We also know this. We know that Paul didn't. Look at what it says. But Paul thought not good to take him with him. So we find that, that, we find that Barnabas wanted to see him restored and Paul didn't. Look at Galatians chapter 6 with me. Hold your place there. Look at Galatians. Look at chapter 6, verse 1. This needs to be our heart. It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. In the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be, t be tempted. We see that he was restored. Somebody came along. Somebody came along and helped him. Somebody restored him. You know, he could have come back home to that church there in Jerusalem. And said, Mark, you're such a quitter. Can, can you imagine the, the, the whispers that would be going on? Can you imagine what would be being said about him? But what happened? Somebody came along and said, Mark, we still believe in you, buddy. Hey, Mark, we don't want to see you quit. Mark, you, God's still got a plan for your life. It says in verse 37 of chapter 15, it says, And Barnabas determined to take John, Mark, or John, whose surname was Mark. Man, I like that. 
Barnabas determined. Barnabas had that attitude. You know, Barnabas was known as the son of consolation. Don't you want to be that kind of person that comes alongside and encourages and consoles and helps somebody? You know, we may have never had the gospel of Mark if it wasn't for a Barnabas that came along and said, hey, God still has a plan for you. He still wants to use you. You're not through. Don't quit. Now, Paul was done with him. I think Paul was wrong. Can I say that out loud? I mean... Paul was a great man, wrote most of the New Testament, right? But was Paul perfect? No doubt. I think Paul was wrong. I think Paul should have wanted to help Barnabas or to help Mark, but he was done with him. So we need to have the attitude of Barnabas trying to restore people. Let me ask you this question. What is your attitude? Listen, do you want to restore people or do you want to bury them? You, you ever had that you're dead to me? I think that's what I think that's what Paul was saying. You're dead to me. I'm done with you. But not Barnabas. He was restored. Somebody came along and restored him. The second thing we see here is he re-enlisted. Look at verse number 39. It says that Paul thought it not good um, so he went, uh, for them who went not with them. And the contention was so sharp between them that they depart asunder, one from another. Now notice this at the end of verse. It says, so Barnabas took Mark and sent him to Cyprus. Barnabas had a choice to make, or Mark had a choice to make. Was he going to get back in this thing? Now, what happened the first time he went on his mission trip? Did it end so well? No, it didn't. He quit. He had to go home. But he got back in. He got back in the game. He quit, but he was not a quitter. He did not let failure define him. You know, he, he had a chance to, to, to get back involved, and he said, you know, he, he might have been hurt before. Anybody been hurt before? He might have been hurt. Maybe, him, maybe Paul had said some things to him that hurt his feelings. But he wasn't going to let that stop him. How many of us let things that hurt us stop us from serving the Lord? Hey, he might have been embarrassed. He came back home and he, he might have had his head down and said, man, I don't want to see anybody. I'm embarrassed at, at, at what I've done. And that could have stopped him from serving the Lord. But it didn't. How have you ever been embarrassed over something you've done? Hey, maybe it was a, a failure in a relationship. Maybe it was a failure in business. Maybe it was a failure in your testimony. You, you messed up. We don't even let these things stop us from serving the Lord. He got back in the game. And then lastly, lastly here, we're done. He was rewarded. He was rewarded. He became useful again. He became valuable to God and His kingdom. Let's look at a few mentions of, of, of Mark. Look at Philippians with me. Look at Philippians chapter... Oh, look, I'm sorry, Colossians. Look at Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. Paul's writing here. Look at verse 10. He says, And Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, sister, son to Barnabas, Touching whom you receive commandment, if he come unto you, receive him. Paul now respects him. Hey, Paul now, he, he said, I would have had nothing to do with him, but now he respects him. And he's saying, receive Barnabas, or receive Mark. Look at Philemon. Look at the book of Philemon. Look at verse number 24. Here we find Mark, Marcus again. He, he says, Marcus and Aristarchus and Demas and Lucas, my fellow laborers. So what is, what is now Mark? 
Mark has become a fellow laborer with the Apostle Paul. He's not just a minister to him anymore. He's not just a servant. He's not just some kid that went home from a missions trip and didn't make it. Now he's his fellow laborer. Hey, you know what would happen if he'd have quit? He'd never been a fellow laborer. Now notice this, and this one just, this one just jumps out to me. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse number 10. It says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Jump down to verse 11. It says, And only Luke is with me. He's speaking to Timothy. Now, I want you to catch this. This is right before the Apostle Paul is going to die. This is the last thing he's writing. He says, Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee. For he, this guy that left me, this guy that departed, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Isn't that awesome to think? Hey, this is the last thing he's writing. And, and he's saying, you know, this is his last request. Hey, hey, who does he want there beside him? Who does he want there as he's about to face martyrdom? Is Mark. Because he's valuable. You know, I don't know what you've done. I don't know what bump you've hit. I don't know what, what, how you've messed up or what's happened. But you can be valuable to God again. Sometimes we think we're, un, we're not valuable. I've quit. I've failed. I didn't do right. God can't use me, but he can. Hey, we just need to not quit. We find in 1 Peter chapter 5, we find one more mention. We'll look at that one. 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at verse number 13. Peter's writing. He says... <clears throat> The church that is at Babylon elect together with you, saluteth you, and so doth Marcus, my son. So we find here again Mark. They think that he was there, he was working in the ministry with Paul, and they think he's in Rome there, working in the ministry with him. He's working with Peter. And they think it's from Peter that he gets the remembrances, the things that happen, and he pins the first gospel. This, this young man that quit is the first gospel writer. Harry Ironside said this. He said, It is like God to select the one-time unfaithful servant, Mark, to tell the story of his ever-faithful servant, his own blessed son. And isn't that the theme of the whole book of Mark, is being a servant, Jesus the servant. Now, we don't know exactly what happened, but later in church history they say that Mark was sent to Egypt as a missionary, planting churches, maybe even founded the Church of Alexandria. And that at one of the great festivals there in Alexandria, the festival of Serapis, an Egyptian god, that he was persecuted and that he died of his wounds. This man that left on the first missions trip, wasn't able to make it, is now dying for the cause of Jesus being a church planter. Napoleon said this, Napoleon said, victory belongs to the most persevering. You know, life is going to have its ups and downs. We're going to have our failures and we're going to have our successes. But are you going to persevere? What's the end of your story going to be? Thomas Edison, he said, many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. You know, God might be wanting to do something great in your life and you're right on the verge of it and you quit. Here's my question to you. 
Are you going to be a Demas? The last thing we heard about him, he was forsaking, loving the present world. Are you going to be a Mark, one that is profitable for the ministry? Let me ask you one more question. Are you going to be a Barnabas or are you going to be a Paul? Hey, is there somebody that you need to go take your arm and encourage and console and bring along? You know they've had a hard time. You know they've messed up, but you're not going to quit on them. You're going to give them another chance, or are they dead to you? We need to be people that learn how to not let failure uh, be final in our lives. Let's pray.